Hello and welcome to the CSF Rheumatology Author Interview Podcast. My name is Professor Peter Nash from the Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane. And today I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Professor Kevin Winthrop from the Oregon Health and Science University. Welcome, Kevin, and thank you so much for giving up your time. I know you're very, very, very busy. Uh, we're discussing another one of your papers. You've been that busy. But first, I'd like to congratulate you on winning the gold medal by the Digital Health Awards last month. So how do you feel about being a gold medal winner? Next, it'll be the Olympics, Kevin. Yeah, I, I wish it was the Sydney Games, but it sounds it sounds great. I, I'll wait for it in the mail, Peter. I'm sure it's okay. I'll wait. I'll wait for it as well. So today we're discussing an interesting publication uh, and we're turning to a letter from your group recently published in the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases. And it looked at tofacitinib in particular, and it looked at both serious infection and age-based incidence of infection. So let's just get a little bit of background. Can you fill us in on what the EMA did to the use of tofa in Europe? which the FDA didn't do to TOFA in the US. Yeah, sometime uh, last year, I think it was 2019 sometime, uh, EMA got very, um, very worried about the, um, um, the fact that there was this post-marketing cardiovascular study that had a signal of increased mortality and VTE associated with higher doses of TOFA particularly but also some signal it's the, the five milligram dose. And in that same analysis, they had looked at uh, serious infection rates and they had noted them to be much higher in people greater than 65. So they had put out a warning at that time, uh, you know, suggesting that TOFA, I forget how it was worded, but I think it was TOFA be used as a quote unquote last, uh, last resort in people who were elderly. Um, and that was, that was the nature of the warning. Um, which prompted this analysis, which was really specifically to look at, you know, what, what is the risk of serious infection in, in patients over age 65 and particularly relative to other uh, compounds. Okay, so let's, can you just fill us a little bit in on that safety study, the A392-1133, because it's still recruiting, I think. It's not completely finished yet. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen any final analysis, so I believe it's still going. And it, it was a postmarking commitment uh, primarily to look at cardiovascular outcomes. And so patients recruited to it were patients with cardiovascular risk factors, and they're randomized to either TOFA 5 or TOFA 10 or a TNF blocker, depending on where you were in the world, is either a Tandercept or Adalimumab. And I, right. you know, since that interim analysis, I believe they stopped the 10 milligram dosage. So, um, you know, further enrollment was was restricted of five of TOFA versus the TNF. And, and can you give us a flavor of what the interim analysis showed? Do you have the data handy just so we can get a feel for what the concern was? Yeah, um, I kind of have it handy. Maybe it's in my head here. Um, you know, the, the issue around infection is what I just told you. They, they saw an increased instance primarily in this uh, older age group. Um, and actually, I, yeah, I just pulled it up here. This, this announcement was November 15, 2019. Uh, and it said, quote, unquote, available data also showed that the risk of serious infections and fatal infections was further increasing elderly patients above 65 years of age. Uh, therefore, TOFA should only be considered in these patients if no suitable alternative treatment is available. So that was their statement around infection. Um, what they saw data-wise was, you know, 
um, some, you know, dose-dependent uh, increase in serious infections that were non-fatal as well as fatal. Um, the serious infection rates were kind of like between three and a half per 100 patient years for TOFA 10 down to, I don't know what that is, probably about 2.75 or something for the TNF comparator and TOFA 5 was in between. It looked like it was about 3.3 or 4. So um, pretty similar rates to what we see in clinical trials, but, but this is what they were seeing. And the, their main issue though at that time was really around the VTE issue where they saw a statistically significant increase in PE uh, at the TOFA 10 versus um, the comparator group. So that, that was, and the rate there was, I think it was about 0.5 uh, per 100 if I remember right. But uh, again, it was enough to, to cause uh, concern given its difference with the other um, exposure groups. Yeah, I just found in your, in your first paragraph of your letter in the annals that the 5BD was sort of triple the TNF rate for um, serious infection. So clearly that, that was a, um, now they say for fatal infections within 28 days and non-fatal serious infections, there was a tripling of the difference between TNFs and TOFA 5. So um, clearly uh, that's what raised concern. And maybe that's why you looked at this analysis. So you were saying you actually did a kind of two study situation. Can you fill us in on what happened? Yeah, so, and that, that tripling was in that over age 65 group. And, you know, overall, okay. the rates were much closer. Um, there was a dose okay, okay. but it was much, much closer. It was um, over 65s, okay. Yeah, there wasn't a difference overall. But, but in that group that was 65, there was this, there was an increase, particularly at the 10 milligram dose. So, so, um, the following study was hatched. You know, let's let's look at um, let's look at this issue with more granularity in all the all the clinical trial data um, collected to date. Uh, in absence of the study, you know, outside of the study, um, so that was done. And then the idea was also to look in the Corona RA registry uh, about uh, the same same topic. You know, look at look at individuals that are. Um, starting these therapies, um, TOFA and, you know, other biologics, for example, and look at um, starters of both drugs and look at their infection rates in, in various age strata, particularly above age 65 and below age 65. So this was kind of two studies stuck together. In fact, the corona, um, it was too much to publish in one paper as two full-length Studies. So my, my thought was to make this a letter that was very focused to answer the question about um, age 65 and up. And it, basically the question is, is there effect modification due to age? You know, we know that we know that everyone has higher rates of infection when they're over 65. It doesn't matter if they got RA or don't have RA or what drugs are on. I mean, everyone, it's a risk factor. And so the question is, is it any different of a risk factor for TOFA users than it would be, you know, other drug users? Um, so I, I thought we should publish this as a letter, very focused, and then we kind of threw on this, you know, the results of the Corona study is kind of contextual um, info and a discussion, kind of like into the um, to the letter. So that was kind of how it evolved. Okay. So you had two groups. You had the Corona group, which was a few thousand patients, I assume. Just a small clarification: this analysis was of all phase two, three, four studies which included a TNF inhibitor control or comparator arm, just to make sure this is uh, clear. 
not all phase two, three, four studies, but those that included a TNF inhibitor comparator arm or control arm. What was the methodology? How did you go about doing it? Just straight yeah. from the... Yeah, so when we went back, we looked at all phase two, three, and um, four data, and it, with the exception of the, the cardiovascular post-marketing study that's ongoing that we just discussed. So we took all the other data, and um, you know, it, this included people on five milligrams and 10 milligrams. It included adalimumab uh, and placebo comparators. Uh, and I think overall it was about, you know, 2,100 some patients, 2,200 patients. And most of them are under age 65, but about 15% of them are above uh, age 65. So we had those comparison groups of 1,800, uh, oh, I have the paper here, 1,841 patients below that age threshold and 339 above. Uh, and then we simply calculated uh, crude incidence rates for serious infections, um, you know, censoring people at the time of their first infection. And we did that for each exposure group. And then we stratified by, by age. Um, and, you know, eventually we also just did a model, you know, looking at a, you know, cost proportional hazard model uh, that included a few things to adjust for, um, but mainly just looking at exposure group and, um, and age group in that in that model, uh, and and then exploring interaction terms between age and um, the exposure. So that is all presented in in the article. And the big numbers in the registry. You had over ten thousand patients to follow, with a couple of yeah. Thousand the, uh, the registry had ten thousand plus patients. Um, you know, most of them were biologic DMARCH starters, uh, 8,300 plus, and I think about 2,000 TOFA starters. So, um, you know, a decent, a decent chunk of, uh, yep. of that was TOFA starters. So it was pretty nice to, to see. So what did you find? What were the main findings of the study? Um, and did the corona findings match the clinical trial findings pretty well? Yeah. So... Um, you know, I think as, as expected, as I said before, not surprisingly, the rates were, were higher. So in the clinical trial data, I'll speak to that first, the, the rates were, were higher, of course, and they're always higher in people age 65, no matter who they are. Uh, yeah. And the rates were higher for TOPA users and they were higher for adalimumab users. They were higher, you know, across the board. So, um, you know, what, what did we see between low and high age group. So when you looked at people under age 65, for example, um, the rates were, you know, between two or actually 1.48 uh, and basically 2.35 per 100 patient years. So adalimumab was 1.48. TOFA 10 was actually 2.0 and TOFA 5 was in the middle, uh, where actually was the highest, was 2.35. Of course, all these confidence intervals overlap. They're all pretty, basically the same. Uh, and placebo kind of was a little... Yeah, we kind of expect three per hundred patient years just having rheumatoid being on steroids and methotrexate, yeah. Right, so this, this is about, you know, this is what we've seen in clinical trials with, with all the JAKs and really most of the biologics as well, around that three per hundred range. Now, when you move to the strata, uh, and I'm sorry, that, that was below the 65 age group. When you move to the, the above 65 group, you see the rates go up. So for TOFA 5, you go up from 2.35 to... 4.55, so you almost double, which is about what you'd expect. Um, 
uh, from all the data, you usually kind of go up one and a half or twofold in, in that older age group, no matter what the drug you're talking about. So um, TOFA 5 about doubled, TOFA 10 went from 2.0, and here's what's interesting, it went to 11.3. So that didn't double, that like five-fold increased. So, you know, ding, 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 maybe there's effect modification going on with that dose. Um, adalimumab almost doubled, uh, 1.48 to, well, 2.44, almost doubled. But again, similar to the TOFA-5, you see a similar uh, jump in risk. So what we see, Peter, in most, you know, in most studies with, I would say almost all studies, the absolute risk goes up with age, but the hazard ratio or the relative risk that's presented by the drug when you compare a person on the drug with a person not on the drug the relative risk largely stays similar the whole way. If it doubles the risk for a 35-year-old, it tends to double the risk for a 70-year-old. It's just the absolute risk is two or three-fold times higher often. I think the interesting comparison is against ADA because we've got a feel for ADA over 20 years. Do you think there's a doubling of difference or do you think the confidence intervals overlap and it's really three versus three? Um, yeah, so, I mean, clearly the confidence intervals overlap on all these things, so I can't say there's a statistical significant difference, but actually when you, when you looked at the modeling or the hazard ratio of, of, you know, when you look at an interaction, there was a statistically significant interaction with the TOFA 10 dose, meaning when you compared the rates between older and younger, at each of those exposure groups. So, you know, TOFA 5, older versus younger, TOFA 10, older versus younger, and ADA, older versus younger. Like I said, TOFA and ADA, the older group goes up about twofold or between 1.6 and 1.9 fold, but the TOFA group goes up five and a half fold. That increase in relative risk was statistically significant. Um, okay. So it, it did appear to have a statistically significant interaction or effect modification due to age. Okay, and apart from age, any clues for other response modifiers like background methotrexate, background steroids? Were the over 65s taking more steroids than the under 65s? Um, that's a great question. That was not included in the study. Uh, we right. did not model that, yeah. Um, but that's possible. If there was differential steroid use between the groups, that could explain it. Um, and again, you, but, you didn't get didn't actually have a chance to look at any opportunist infections because even though they're rare, they're the ones that often really worry us because they put people in intensive care and things like that. Yeah. You know, we have in other studies, and I would just say too, I mean, I, I doubt there's an imbalance in steroids and methotrexate just because we've looked at all this data in the context of some of those outcomes you just mentioned before. Um, yep. We just have never really stratified it based on age with such glandular um, attention to that. Um, but, you know, the, the level of steroid use seemed to be, you know, pretty similar between all exposure groups. But, but I think your point is good, you know, uh, whether it was exactly balanced between older and younger, uh, that's an open question. Um, but, you know, in terms of zoster risk and OI risk, I mean, we've looked at, um, you know, age was certainly a risk factor for some of those infections in, in the modeling, you know, an independent risk factor. Uh, so when you control for differences in steroids and other things, you know, we do see it as an independent risk factor for, for pretty much all those infections. Okay, so luckily we hardly ever use 10 milligrams BD, only a couple of countries in the world do. 
but the ulcerative colitis guys do. Would you give the gastros any advice about that dose? Induced remission yeah. and then cut it to five BD or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that's probably the advice they've been given or, you know, I, a lot of people got their patients off 10 around this time. Um, but I, I think, you know, with the way they're using it is just like you said, short term at 10 for six or eight weeks or however long the induction period is and then dropping it. And, you know, that, that also accounts for the ability to wean steroids during that time too. So um, there's a real benefit if, if 10 is, you know, better to get people off their steroids and get people into remission than, you know, I think using 10 for a short time period and dropping to five seems very reasonable, even with, with this data. Um, you know, it's not long-term 10 usage. So, so, and you're right. I mean, I, I think the nice thing about this analysis is that um, it does suggest there might be something different with the high dose. And so it, it does, I think, reinforce kind of all the decisions that were made years ago that the benefit risk uh, trade-off of five versus 10 really favored five. And I think that's why that was the approved dose in, in most places. So. That was an interesting thing you just mentioned over time. Do you, it may not be possible. Was it, were you able to tell if the risk like bacterial infection with TNFs is in that first six, 12 months? Is the infection sort of any, happen any time over time or is it early and then not a risk after that? Yeah. It's funny, we were just talking about that in another meeting today. It, if, it kind of depends on the infection. If you look at serious infections, um, you, you do see something similar. I mean, you do see an increase early on and then it, it, it levels off and drops. Now, I, I don't know if that's a consequence of just, you know, the of just this being clinical trial data. I mean, that is what you see in clinical trial data, right? Yeah. People stop the drug when they get their big infection or, you know, you kind of see the survival of the fittest or depletion of susceptibles over time. So rates decrease just in clinical trial data due to the construct of the trials. But, um, but in real world data, you know, I don't think I've actually seen that modeled. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of real world data with JAX. There is with TOFA. But I haven't necessarily seen anyone uh, look at specific windows, you know, of risk in the first 60 days or first 90 days. I can tell you with, with Zoster, I mean, we did it initially, and we did see an increase, uh, a little bit increased risk in the first 90 days. But to be honest, it's pretty level throughout. Like, it kind of never really goes up or down. It just kind of, that slope of that curve was always pretty, pretty stable. So... So I, I think there's probably some of that similar to what we've seen in TNF blockers, but it hasn't been explored to the same extent, I think, in real-world okay. data. All right. Well, thank you very much for a, a very informative letter. What would you suggest to the clinician to take home? Um, 10 for short period only, um, and you, you expect an increased risk with age and, and to work on steroids and other background drugs um, as a way of mitigating risk. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, like I said, just with the GIs, you know, the, it's ten for a short period. It allows you to get off steroids, and you drop to five. I, I think, you know, to me, you know, this over age sixty-five. So, so after this happened, you know, we've been doing this with all sorts of program data. We 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 just presented the Barry data at ACR. Um, you know, we've looked at some other data. I mean, the like I said, I'm I'm still of the the belief that um, TOFA-5 is really no different in someone who's over 65 than any of the other drugs. Um, yeah. TOFA-10 does appear to be different um, to me, uh, according to this analysis. So, um, 
So I, I think, you know, the risk elevation that you see in elderly, again, it's across the board, the absolute risk go up, but the hazard, you know, the relative risk with each drug, no matter what you're talking about, tends to stay the same as compared to a younger person. So, you know, I, I guess my thought is that I thought the European regulatory agency was a little unfair in the way they um, verbalized that recommendation or their concern, because it really should have been more specific to, to TOFA 10. Yeah, so it sounds like they overreacted, but they made life very difficult in Europe for Jack users. And often it sort of taints the whole class, you know. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for your time today, Kevin. It's been the CSF Auth Interview Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this paper and others uploaded to the CSF website this month, you can get detailed slide sets are available in the publication section at cytokine signaling with two L's.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and give us some feedback and let us know what you think. So thank you so much, Kevin, for your time. Thanks, Peter. Great to see you. I'm hoping for another gold medal. <laughs> All the best. Thank you.